The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Did you know that relaxation is all in your mind? That's right. By applying various techniques of mindfulness, you can practice relaxation anywhere and anytime, whether it's at home, work, or at play. Welcome to Come Back to Your Senses Radio with host Leah Brenda Smith. Our program is all about recovering your common sense. Now, here's health and wellness specialist Leah Brenda Smith. Hello and welcome. Thanks for tuning in to Come Back to Your Senses Radio. And I am your host, Leah Brenda-Smith, so pleased to bring you another show, another year, a new year, a new way, a new way of life in 2013. So welcome to all the listeners from Voice America Variety and the folks from Project Freedom Radio Network. If you're looking for me on the net, you can find me at leahbrendasmith.com, my personal website, or come back to your senses radio on Facebook. And... Making resolutions, you know, it might seem like a modern phenomena, but really it has ancient roots. The ancient civilizations had customs and practices which may be comparable to the modern New Year's resolutions. Did you know that the ancient Babylonians and Romans began the New Year by making promises to their gods? The knights of the medieval era took vows just before the beginning of the New Year which are referred to as peacock vows. And modern religions have similar traditions where at the end of the year, redemption is sought out for the altercations that might have been committed during the previous year. And naturally new promises and resolves are made for the year ahead. So we're still in the early days of the new year and it's natural for people to be contemplating what they'd like to do differently in the coming year. There's the common approach of trying to diet, exercise, quit smoking, cut down on drinking, or other undesirable habits. Yet we don't always have a strong foundation of resolve that we really need in order to achieve our goals. To be successful with behavioral change, you need to possess an authentic desire for change and the the vital single-mindedness of focus that you can rely on to overcome the reflex of old habits. So even when you're clear and aligned with the things that you want to change, it's often necessary to break the goal down into smaller steps that can build the determination that you need to be triumphant. Sometimes focusing on building your character or cultivating other positive traits can really pave the way to get get you to a place where you can let go of the old habits with more ease. So let's explore some different approaches to cultivating the resolve that we need for 
creating new ways of life in 2013. You know, as mentioned, the most common goals are to exercise more, lose weight, address money issues, stop smoking. Yet despite a lot of hope and good intentions, many people fail within days, if not weeks, of setting a goal. You know, and a lot of times you even ask people, well, what are your New Year's resolutions? And people have become complacent, I think, about resolutions because often people just are not really there to stick with it and have that focus and have that single-mindedness that you need in order to achieve any type of a goal, whether you call it just a goal or a New Year's resolution. You know, it's curious to wonder if that could be avoided and the ways around that. Psychologists at the university at Heatherfordshire say that four out of five people don't keep their resolutions because of unrealistic expectations. So people are setting their goals too high, unrealistic expectations and lack of planning. Sometimes the defeat is there before we even begin Because what we really have is not a resolution at all. What we really have is wishful thinking that change will occur. And we have not necessarily created the foundation for change in our outlook towards the change that we really want. But it just may be that we're not ready to take it on at that time. Here's a a new summary of research from periodicals and source material in the field of health and psychology. It's from a blog titled New Year's Resolutions, Imperfection and Resilience. And it was posted at a site called agoodtherapy.org. And they say that New Year's resolutions are a popular way to pursue self-improvement goals. But in the context of a collective fresh start... Here's a few tips really to mull over. Consider whether your resolutions will achieve your desired effect or whether you might need to tweak your ambitions to not only be more realistic but more beneficial to you physically, mentally, and for your emotional well-being as well. It's a good time of year to discuss perfection. And perfectionism. Because in its most extreme forms, perfectionism can lead to eating disorders, high anxiety, unrelenting competitiveness, and other situations can, that can really disrupt a person's life, compromise their health or safety, and can lead to the need for therapy or for counseling, all in the name of perfectionism. Or there are people that are set on perfectionism. They're so set against it that they underachieve, choosing safety over failure. And for many people in the middle, perfectionism simply gets in the way of enjoying and appreciating life. Now, what kind of a resolution would that be? To pick something that would get in the way of you actually being able to enjoy and appreciate your life. Researcher Brennan Brown says that perfectionism is the belief that if we live perfect, look perfect, and act perfect, we can minimize or avoid the pain of blame, 
judgment, and shame. Perfectionism is not only impossible, but it doesn't actually safeguard us from the challenges in life. Jane Fonda says, perfection is highly overrated. And the challenge is not to be perfect, it's to be whole. Striving for perfection can make us more susceptible to hardships. We spin our wheels trying to control everything, to make everything perfect. So rather than cultivating the skills to deal with what's in front of us, this year, instead of setting goals you think will make you superhuman, why not resolve to build your resilience? Resilience is really the ability to cope with life's strategies, with life's challenges in healthy ways. It's a common point of discussion amongst therapists and counselors, and there is uh, every reason to believe that resiliency can be cultivated. You know, Bruce Lipton reminds us that resiliency is one of the principles of nature. And as human beings, we have an ability to adapt, to be flexible. We can rise to the occasion of whatever may come our way. And we've all often heard people comment on being surprised and even at times overwhelmed by the resiliency of humanity to overcome challenges. So even if your goals aren't interpersonal and lean more towards physical health and social activities, consider phrasing them in a healthy way. So striving for excellence over perfection is a great challenge and a great pursuit. But instead of measuring yourself by a finish line that's always just out of reach, You'll be able to celebrate your strengths and achievements as you go along and glean more satisfaction from enjoying the journey along the way. Now, if you're looking at changing your diet, start with small steps, says Tony Greco in an interview with CTV News Channel. Start with adding more water, incorporating green vegetables, Maybe ease off starches and uh, maybe increase your protein. Eating five to ten portions of fruits and vegetables a day are recommended by the Heart and Stroke Foundation. And certainly, anytime you increase your intake of fruits and vegetables, you know you're on the right track towards a healthy you. You know, I've experienced this in my own life, starting with the little steps towards larger goals. And I found it to be the most successful approach for change. Now, bear in mind, we're all different. And as my late father used to say to me, different strokes for different folks. So really, you need to find what's going to work for you. For me, small steps, breaking the goal down into smaller steps is something that is achievable and sustainable. Now, on Christina Farah's uh, cooking blog, she lists 
her popular New Year's resolutions, which highlight a new approach to a common challenge. I like what she's done here. She says, this year, I'm not going to make a resolution to lose weight. Instead, I'm going to make a resolution to think about it. And this is what she means about that. She says, to think about it. I'm going to think about ways that I can stay healthy. I'm going to think before I take a bite about how whatever I'm about to eat will affect my body. I'm going to think about when reaching for that second piece of cake, how eating too much sugar makes me mean and I don't want to go there. I'm going to think about all the people who love me and depend on me and begin to take better care of myself so I continue, can continue to be there for them. I'm going to think about how to incorporate daily exercise into my life because deep down in my heart, I know for sure it's the right thing to do for my health. I'm going to think about ways I can become a better wife, mother, daughter, sister, and friend. I'm going to think about how reacting negatively or harshly when my kids or husband do things that sends me over the edge is a poor reflection on me. I'm going to think about ways I can be nicer when I'm driving and not honk my horn at someone who cuts me off and not yell out the window using a word I would end up grounding the kids for. I'm going to think about being patient when I have to wait in a line or if someone cuts in front of me. I'm going to think about ways to react in a healthier, more positive way when something doesn't go my way. I'm going to think about ways of becoming more patient, kind, and thoughtful toward myself. I'm going to think about how to get out of my comfort zone and do something to help others in a way that will truly make a difference. I'm going to think about how I can forgive people who have hurt me so I won't hurt anymore. I'm going to think about how to find the courage to ask for forgiveness from the people I have hurt and then do it. I'm going to think about all the blessings in my life and continue to give thanks every day. I'm going to think about all these things and then, and then I'm going to do these things. I really like that, that approach from Christina Ferraris. Think about the things that you want to do differently. And notice that putting your attention and being become, becoming mindful of your behavior is a, 
a great a great jump forward in the journey of making change. Think about these things. She says, I'm going to think about these things and then do these things. It's wonderful. So I encourage you to cultivate your list of the things that you're going to think about and then do. You know, there are many, many of the advocates for sticking with New Year's resolutions suggest that it's important to share your plans with others. And I suppose that one line of thinking with this is that it gives you the opportunity to make yourself accountable by telling others what you are doing. And I guess another angle in support of this approach is that you will be creating your own cheering section in the people that you tell. Louise Hayes suggests that we take the time to get ourselves in the flow of the energy of change and start living the change that we want. Then when people around you notice on their own, they will likely comment on how good you look or how relaxed you are or perhaps notice an increase in your positive attitude. And naturally, folks in your life will want to know, what have you been doing to achieve this new you? Sometimes, even though our friends and family may be well-meaning, a critical judgment from someone close to you can be a real hindrance to success. Especially, most especially, if you're making strides to change in ways that a loved one may still be suffering. Now, personally, I've always preferred to do the inner work that allows me to line up with a goal in private. And then usually only share my resolve with others once I'm well on my way to success with my endeavors. But as with all things in life, there's no one right way for everyone. The important point is to find the way, find the way that's right for you. And if you don't know what that is at the moment, then experiment. Try some different approaches. Perhaps you're able to intuitively know the kind of approach you're best suited for just by how something sounds or how something feels to you. Or you may be able to look historically at previous successes in your life and determine which strategies you employed that helped you find your resolve in a certain area of your life and then put your resolve into action to achieve your next goal. Learn from what's worked well historically and then let that work for you now and into the future. Now, after going through some lessons um, in the online Life Force Energy program that I'm taking with the best-selling author, teacher, and spiritual healer, Deborah King, it became really obvious, it's so clear for me, that there's a direct correlation between the health of our second chakra and our ability to make positive changes in our lives, especially when it comes to unhealthy, unhealthy habits that we want to change in favor of a more healthy lifestyle. So here's some information um, 
from Deborah about the second chakra that just may make all the difference in the world to you. It can clear up maybe why you're struggling with some of the changes that you're trying to make. So the second chakra, the yin-yang, it's located halfway between the genitals and the navel, and it's bright orange. The principal element of the chakra is water. The energy of this chakra is all about duality. And the force of attraction and desire for something or someone outside of ourselves. So to maintain balance in this chakra, it's important to honor yourself and to honor others. The center of emotion and pleasure. That's what the second chakra is, the center of emotion and pleasure. The chakra is about movement. And emotions are energy in motion. And this is what happens when your consciousness moves through your body. The emotion is the resulting feeling. It's also the center of your inner child, both the divine inner child and the wounded inner child. So when the first chakra, which is all about your survival needs like shelter and clothing and food are met, then we automatically think about pleasure. The second chakra is the center of the pleasure principle, and it's also about embracing the body and the sweetness of you and your soul. So a person with a healthy second chakra has strong boundaries and they're able to say no. You won't compromise yourself morally, emotionally, financially, or sexually. The more you understand how well your second chakra is functioning or not functioning, then the more you can stop the kind of behavior that you're trying to overcome or avoid, like overeating or smoking, abusing drugs or alcohol, or being a people pleaser. So when your second chakra is healthy and strong, you're in a better position to align your behavior in the direction of your goals. The chakra is all about balance between giving and receiving, having a healthy flow of energy between yourself and others, and the things that you engage with in life. So when this chakra is in balance, you understand your intentions, and you also understand the consequences of your actions. A distorted second chakra is all about neediness. The message is, I can't. And when the chakra is out of balance, a person often has unhealthy boundaries or no boundaries at all. They may be impotent when it comes to relationships or money or sex. And this person may have a martyr, martyr complex, endlessly saying, it's not fair. A major distortion in this chakra shows up as an addiction to food, drugs, alcohol, sex, pornography, shopping, excessive exercise, chocolate, the list just goes on. Because when this chakra is out of balance, then everything Everything is in excess.
Now, an upsetting, an upsetting event or a series of events can distort the chakra. And when it's out of balance, it can either be under-functioning or it can be excessive. So when there's too much energy in the second chakra, the person's focus will be very self-serving. There may be excessive emotions and likely frustration, anger, even rage, and a need to control others. Now, someone suggests that anger is not a true emotion, that it's almost always as a result of another emotion that was blocked, such as grief or fear or even humiliation that wasn't expressed. And these blocked emotions stagnate in the body. So a good way to keep your body and your energy healthy and in balance is to express all your emotions in appropriate ways. Now, some people journal or they do physical exercise or talking with a therapist. These things can help you to keep your emotions and your emotional body free-flowing, which will certainly circumvent the tendency to either have repressed anger or angry outbursts. So here's a self-checklist for the second chakra. And I ask yourself, are you prone to negative attitudes? Have you sold out for money or power or sex? Do you chronically feel lonely or abandoned? Do you give of yourself excessively and then get angry when people you're trying to please don't seem to appreciate you enough? Do you sacrifice your own dreams and goals to get somebody else's approval? Are you overly concerned about the opinions of others? Are you afraid of change? Are you unable to let things go and tend to be vengeful? Do you lack ethics? Do you have an unhealthy response to authority? Do you do the right thing for everybody except yourself? And are you an energy vampire? No, the second chakra is concerned with delicate feelings and sensibilities and the primary themes of trust and faith. So be gentle with yourself and realize, here's the important key, realize that the key to bringing this chakra back into balance is through increased self-awareness. Now, it can be helpful to begin with a clean slate. Be gentle and realize that some things that we want to let go of take time and take more time than other things that are easier to let go of. So patience, and we need to be understanding. We need to cultivate patience and understanding and gentleness with ourselves before we can free ourselves. Now, often people try to quit something when they still want to engage with what it is that they're trying to quit. And it can seem next to impossible. If you're trying to quit and you're not resolved with what the issue is, it seems like an endless, endless cycle. So ask yourself, where are you really? Where are you really? 
with the things that you feel held back by. And let yourself slide into your process at the place that truly matches where you are on your journey. Are you really ready to let go of the habit? Perhaps yes, perhaps not. But perhaps you're ready to become more self-aware of the habit. Becoming conscious and mindful of the habit while you're engaged in the habit. You know, so much of the time we're engaged in our habits from a place of unconsciousness. We eat unconsciously, smoke unconsciously, bite our nails unconsciously, drink unconsciously. We even have sex unconsciously. And bringing consciousness to our habits is a good, really good place to start. It can be the threshold of really awaking, waking up our behavior, waking up to what our behavior really is, and are allowing ourselves to feel the underlying emotion that's driving the behavior. And then, then we're in a better position to be able to take the steps necessary for us to come back into balance and make wiser choices by freeing the emotions and expressing them. You could try focusing on your talents and your skills and your passions and ask yourself, are there certain things that I'm doing that are in the way of what it is that I want to achieve? I'll use myself as an example. You know, a long time ago, I knew that as long as I continued to smoke cigarettes, I would never be able to live the life that I came here to live. I just knew instinctively that I'd never be able to achieve my goals and share my gifts and my talents with the world. So I found myself going through cycles of quitting, once for three months, once for nine months, another time for 18 months. And each time, when I returned to the habit again, I would switch what I was smoking so that I never went back to my brand of choice. All of this was part of my process and movement towards becoming more conscious of the habit, how it was serving me emotionally, and my success at being smoke-free. So I went through a process of beginning to understand what smoking was all about for me. So here's some examples of that. Cigarettes always left a cloud of smoke around me, which served to keep people at bay. Somehow, smoking made me feel safe. So as long as I had my smokes, I felt safe. One day while playing one of my wind instruments, I realized that somehow the activity was reminding me of smoking. And of course, I knew that it was linked to breathing. Who would have thought that smoking could actually be about breathing, about taking deeper breaths? Maybe you'll try that next time that you have an urge to light one up. Try taking a few deep breaths and see. See for yourself. Feel for yourself. Is that what your body is really craving, is some deep breaths and not cigarettes at all? One day I was driving in center town and there were all these houses with no grass. 
All the spaces where the grass used to be was paved over for parking lots. Yes, it's true. They paved paradise and put up parking lots. So when I left, when I, when I saw that, I felt this emotional reaction. I had a strong emotional reaction to the idea of paving the grass for parking spaces. I recognized that smoking for me was a way of dealing with with the dichotomies in life. For me, a home without a front lawn is a huge dichotomy. So one by one, little pieces of the puzzle were coming together for me, and another piece was associated with doing hands-on healing treatments. Oh, how I disliked smelling of smoke while I was caring for others, especially the people that I treated who were palliative. And yes, I made the pros and cons list. And eventually there was nothing left on the pro-smoking list. I remember one day asking for guidance to be released from the hold that cigarettes had on me. The response that I heard was, You have already been released from the cigarettes. Now all you need to do is let go of the habit. So I've used my own experience, my own experience, sharing with you what I went through with resolving to let go of cigarettes as an example of a process that's not uncommon. I've heard many people share stories about letting go of addictions, that it's a process that has involved several experiences of letting go and then returning to the habit and letting go again and returning to the habit. And each experience, each time, it's a potent part of the journey of actually freeing yourself from an unwanted habit. So if you truly have a habit that is unmanageable and not something that you can resolve on your own, then seek out the help that you need. There's help available at all levels to match your individual needs. There's the simple approach of budding up with a friend, online chat groups, casual meetings and community centers, one-on-one professional counseling, and more structured treatment programs. Trust yourself. Trust yourself to find your way to the level of support you need. You know, there's certainly no need for anyone to suffer in silence or to give up because they can't accomplish their goal on their own. Just speak up and help is on its way. So this may give you an idea or a sense of why it is that many people are not being successful with these New Year's resolutions that they make where they just kind of jump in cold turkey with stuff. Sometimes we really need to lay the foundation, lay the groundwork, change our thinking, change our habits, change the way that we approach something and get to what the feelings are underneath the habit in order to be able to move to a place where we can let go and create new healthy habits for ourselves. So here's another new kind of a twist and it's from uh, Cynthia Luplow. And she's a, um, an expert on depression. 
And she writes articles sometimes that are found at the goodtherapy.org website. So she shares about New Year's resolutions that don't try to improve us. Because we all know traditionally New Year's resolutions are all about changing oneself to become better. Making New Year's resolutions and not falling through on them just makes people feel bad about themselves and doesn't make anything better. It's just like buying home exercise equipment. It doesn't, help, it doesn't help improve your health when it sits in the corner and it's not used. So when broken New Year's resolutions cause people to be very self-critical and decide that they are failures, then these resolutions are actually destructive and can cause depression. However, if making realistic, really realistic goals for changing things you want to change can work, if it works for you, and if it has a, p- a positive effect on you, then fantastic, just go for it. But New Year's resolutions are always based on the principle that something's wrong with you, and the implication is that if you change it, you'll be more valuable, and more attractive, and more lovable, more worthy, etc., etc. But another approach would be to assume that there's nothing wrong with you at all. And make resolutions based on accepting yourself exactly the way that you are. This is so helpful with self-esteem and especially helpful with things that are not going to change. And trying to change them will just be an exercise in self-attack and self-criticism. So here are some examples to help you get your list going. Thinking of Just think of committing to do some of these things on your list often enough throughout the year. So it kind of goes like this. This year, I resolve to do some of these often throughout the year. So here are Cynthia's examples. Find a body part I like and focus my attention on enjoying it. Look in the mirror and smile at myself the way I would at someone I love. Treat myself the way I would treat a child or a niece or a pet that I adore. Remind myself that there's nothing wrong with me, and any voice that says differently is simply a lie. Find out what people like about me. Forgive myself. Forgive myself. Do whatever it takes to forgive myself. Let go of feeling bad about anything I can't change. Decide what's really important for me to do and then do it. Think of as many things as I can that I like about myself. Notice something I'm proud of about myself. Notice other people's vulnerabilities and find compassion for them. Think about something amazing, amazing that I've done. Think about something loving that I've done. Go on a romantic date with myself. Write about what I would. Write about what I am, would be, have been like as a parent or a person with an animal as my best friend and my best parenting day, 
and then appreciate myself for it. Think about what I would do with my child if I could go back as an adult and be a loving adult for that child and imagine doing that. Think about the most loving moment I gave someone and do it again. Think of things I'm good at, no matter what it is. Count it. It counts. Remember myself in reverse chronological order and find a time that I unconditionally liked myself. Give myself permission to be human, to be messy, to make mistakes, to fail, to be selfish, or to be vulnerable. Imagine living life with a nurturer, loving me unconditionally and always being there for me. And thank myself for everything I do for myself that I would thank somebody else for. I really like this idea of focusing on the positive aspects of yourself and your life and allowing the new directions that you may want to move into to come just to organically rise out of the positive flow and the energy that you're creating. The positive energy that you create by resolving to love and appreciate yourself and love and appreciate others more fully. It's a good way to take stock of your achievements and cultivate new levels of ease and comfort with yourself. Whenever and however we increase our love and acceptance of self, we naturally move towards ways that we can share this goodness with others in our circle of life and in the greater context of the world around us. So imagine the impact. Imagine the impact that we could each have on our own lives and in the lives of those around us when we shift our focus from agonizing about what we judge to be wrong about ourselves and shifting our focus to the good, positive, wholesome aspects of who we are. Because that in and of itself is a huge resolve and would have a tremendous positive impact on our health and well-being and the life force energy that's moving through us that we share with others. Imagine that, if we all just resolved to love and approve of ourselves more in 2013, what a happier world we would live in. Happier, happier world. So here's another approach here, cleaning out for the new year. And it's from Karen Klogsenberg. She's a social worker and self, self-care expert. So she's targeted these areas uh, where old stuff tends to accumulate and has provided some simple steps to help you cleanse and prepare for all the new year has to offer. So she says all these piles of things, you know, our disorganized drawers and overflowing closets and bottomless storage spaces... All this clutter really drains our energy and steals our time. And really it shows, really it 
points to how we kind of agonize with letting go. Letting go of the past for fear of the future. You know, too much stuff keeps us mentally and emotionally stuck in the past and prevents us from growing and moving confidently into the future. So perhaps you want to start small with your kitchen, your junk drawer, your glove compartment in the car. Remember to recycle and donate whenever possible so you can turn your act of cleaning out into a work of service and support for the rest of the world. Then the habits. Rather than writing out a laundry list of things that you'd like to change about yourself and creating New Year's resolutions that you're unlikely to fulfill, she suggests that you just choose one habit. And if you change it, then it will help you feel stronger and more in control of yourself. And that energy focused on one meaningful target is a very powerful source. And then the memories, you know, those hard things that happened last year. Well, we all survived them and will continue to survive them. So you don't need to keep rehashing the challenges and the pains and the annoyances that you'd suffered. It's okay to release those memories by allowing them increasingly less brain space. So when they come up, acknowledge them and gently say, I'm done with you now. Thank you. Or, that's over. Just take a deep breath and clear your mind, and then you can move on to a new activity and allow your brain to shift away from the disturbing thought. You'll find that the painful memories will resurface less and less often. And letting go of grudges. So find the lessons in the challenges from the past year and release the accompanying pain. You could use these sentences... um, To write in your journal, I forgive, and fill in the blank. Or I'm willing to forgive. Or I'm willing to consider forgiving. Just finish those sentences as many times as you can without editing or censoring yourself. And when you finish the sentence, then you can go back and reread your work. Choose the sentence that stands out the most for you. Know the ones that invite you into your mental space to bring peace and release the old hurt. You could try writing more about these thoughts to help free your mind, or just spend quiet minutes envisioning how you'll act and feel now that you're moving towards forgiving someone, something, or even yourself. You know, we all have challenges, and it's critical that we need to focus on our own work rather than tackling the problems of others. We've been trained to believe that we should keep informed about what's happening around the world. You know, watching TV, reading or listening to the news. And often the news is uh, not very pleasant and produces anxiety. So if you choose, you can give yourself a break from the constant stream of news that bombards you. The world will carry on without your close attention to every detail. And you, on the other hand, you'll feel much lighter, calmer, and more optimistic. The information that needs your attention will find you. Don't worry about that. And then lastly, we want to sort, sort out, sort out your companionships, your family, good friends, and acquaintances. Take stock. Who inspires you? Who uplifts you? Who energizes you? Who enhances your life? 
and those who don't add value to your life either go on the acquaintance list and get less energy, or you can stop contacting them altogether. Remember, as adults, we get to choose our inner circle. We can distance ourselves from even the blood relatives who drag us down and bring conflict into our lives. Free yourself to populate your life with people you enjoy and let the rest go their own way. Let go of the old and make room for the new. You can't evolve while holding on to the past, so clear your mental and physical space for peace, prosperity, and new levels of relaxation and enjoyment in the new year. You know, David G., he hosts a uh, show on Hay House Radio called Live from the Sweet Spot, and he suggests that we look at five main areas of our life, physical, emotional, material, relationships, and spiritual, and then determine what our resolve is as we look to the year ahead in each of these categories. So here's just a few questions you can ask yourself in each of these areas to determine your new direction. So physically, this has to do with your body and your physiology, your health. What do I want my body to look like six months from now? Emotionally, in the realm of my emotions, how do I want to feel? How do I want to show up? How do I want to respond? Are you going to own your feelings? Own your feelings. Don't suppress them. And what are the feelings that you want to have flow into your life in 2013? You know, it's fine to pick just one emotion to start. Then on the material level, what do you want materially in your life? Where do you want to put the focus for your life? for your money? What do you want and how do you want to feel when it is that you attain what it is that you want? And in relationships, would you like to be kinder to yourself, to others, gentler to yourself, more compassionate, perhaps more patient or loving or forgiving? more aware of your words, your words being kinder and more true? What do you want to flow from your heart to your loved ones, to the people that you work with or to the people that you interact with? Just pick one area. And then spiritually, what's your sense of trust? Do you trust that there's a bigger picture and that there's wisdom that will guide you? Can you let go and let spirit work out the details for you? And how is your meditation practice? Again, maybe you just want to pick one area. Now, this is your time to connect with you in your physical, emotional, material, relationships, and spiritually. To say no instead of yes. Or sometimes maybe you need to say yes instead of no. To lean into what it is that you want and how it is that you want to affect change in 2013. It's important to get clear about what it is that you want and then let go so that you can flow into it 
Now let's all resolve to evolve in 2013. Naturally, we hope that 2013 will bring an ever-deepening experience of meaning to our lives, a new sense of purpose and joy towards our continued spiritual growth. Many of us are asking, what is it that really matters this year? When you make your New Year's resolutions, will they be about the small things like getting organized or losing weight or getting in shape? being a little kinder, or about something broader and deeper. There's nothing wrong with making small commitments, but just ask yourself, are they enough for you? Who do you yearn to become? What do you long to do in this world? Are you ready to step into something bigger to fulfill your passion? To evolve not only a better self, but a better world and a more enlightened future. On the threshold of a new year, it's natural to want to change things. And for most folks, it's not just yourself that you want to transform. Many of us want to have a genuine impact on the world, maybe now more than ever before in our lives. We need to optimize ourselves to become the change that we wish to see. Encourage yourself to meet your deepest hopes and ambitions head-on in 2013. And change from a vision of me alone into a vision of all of us together for a unified, more harmonious and authentic life and world in 2013. So we've shared a lot of tips, a lot of suggestions, a lot of new approaches we hadn't heard before, and then, of course, some of the classic ones that we hear about every year. And I hope that you found something in today's show that's going to help you to think more deeply, go more deeply inside, and ask yourself those deeper questions about who you are and what it is you really want what it is you really want to move towards. And maybe there are some things that you've been struggling with for a long time that are going to take more than a year. Or maybe they're going to take more than two years. But imagine two years from now being able to say, I'm so grateful I put the foundation down. I did the work I needed. I made the building blocks so that I can free myself from the things that I've wanted for so long. I really appreciate you tuning in to the show today. I am your ever-grateful host, Leah Brenda-Smith, and you've been listening to Come Back to Your Senses Radio. It's been a pleasure to share these tips about ways to resolve to evolve in 2013 and make a new way of life for yourself, and obviously then for the people around you and for our great, big, beautiful world So thank you for tuning in. Until next time, I encourage you to relax and enjoy your life. We hope you've enjoyed our program today and perhaps have found some new techniques that you can apply to your daily life. 
Thank you for tuning in to Come Back to Your Senses Radio. Please join Leah Brenda Smith again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.